Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. It is truly my honor to be here before you to open God's Word and to examine it with all of you today. I will be reading today from the traditional Advent text. It's John chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, and reading the first 14 chapters. Friends, hear the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shone in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Now there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came for testimony to bear witness to the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light but came to bear witness to the light. The true light that enlightens every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world knew him not. He came to his own, and his own received him not. But to all who received him and believed upon his name, he gave the power to become children of God. People born not of blood, nor of the will or flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Full of grace and truth, we have beheld his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. Friends, the word of God. Snow White had a picture taken with the seven dwarfs because this year she was determined to include it in their Christmas letter. She took the film in to be developed. And the clerk told her it would take about a week. So seven days later she goes back excited. Only be told the film was not yet back from the processor. So disappointed is Snow White that she begins to sob. And the clerk, feeling empathy in his heart, walked around the corner, put his arm around Snow White, and said, Don't worry, Snow White. Someday your prince will come. <laughs> They're not all good. Should that one go in the bad pile? What we know about the context of today's scripture is God's people were waiting for their prince to come. For over 700 years, their prophets had foretold the coming of the prince, the Messiah, the Savior. And they could hardly wait. Because if the truth were told, it's been a bad seven centuries for God's people. First, they're defeated by the Assyrians and taken into exile. And then they're defeated by the Babylonians and taken again in exile. 
and then by Persia, and finally by the mighty Roman Empire. And so when Jesus enters this world, his people are under the oppressive thumb of an almighty Roman Empire. His people were feeling abandoned by God, hopeless. Most had forgotten that the prince was actually supposed to come. And so John writes in chapter 1 that when Jesus came to his own people, they received him not because they recognized him not. He wasn't who they were expecting. He was God's plan A to save this world. In the 1980s, I was the youth pastor in Solvang, California. A beautiful valley at a beautiful church, about 35 miles from Kurt's church in Ventura. And in 1989, when he came into the presbytery, there's a district meeting, and he's examined up on the floor. It's kind of an intimidating time being examined by your peers. And I just want you to know that my boss at the time, Jeff Cotter, and I voted for you to come into the presbytery. Does that make up for the spilled tea? Okay. As a youth pastor, every year I took kids down to Miracle Ranch. Rancho Milagro, it was called. It was outside in the country of Ensenada, Mexico. And every year we would do a work project. One year we built pig pens, pouring concrete. One year we built chicken coops. One year we built a fence around the entire orphanage. And so we would haul supplies. We drove four vans, had pulled four trailers, carrying tents and food and construction supplies. And every year I had kids who'd been the year before. And after the first year I discovered the most important part of this trip for my teens is the trip to the dump. Now, those who had been before didn't want to go again. They said, do we have to go? And I said, yes, you get to go. And I spoke to Tony, who ran the orphanage, and I said, Tony, I want you to save up stuff for us to make a dump run. Create stuff if you have to. We've got to go to the dump. And toward the end of our week there, playing with the kids, attending chapel with the kids, working on the project, it'd be time for the dump run. And all the kids would pile in our four vans, and we'd pull trailers, and we'd load the trailers with stuff that needed to go to the dump. Now, the dump is outside of Ensenada, officially, kind of on the city limits, and it's large. It's about a fourth of a mile by a half of a mile, if you can imagine. And you can see the smoke for miles as you approach it. When we get to the dump, I announce to the kids, it's time to get out and unload the trailers. Guess what? They don't want to get out. Why? Well, number one, it's smoky at the dump. There's a fire that burns 24-7 at the dump. The people are rushing toward you who live at the dump, and their skin is black from the smoke. And there are a million, if not a billion, flies who see you as food, or at least something to aggravate. So they'd get out and they'd load the trailers unload the trailers. And the people would be crowding in around them. People who lived at the dump. Moms and dads and kids. Over a hundred lived at the dump. 
And then I would call over Kyle and Jolene Schaefer. Because they were Americans from Los Angeles, California. A couple married in their 20s. And they lived at the dump. And their skin was also black. And I would say, Kyle and Jolene, tell my kids, please, why you choose to live at this dump. And they would say, we wanted to show these people God's love. And we knew that to do so, we would have to enter their world. And so here we are. Well, it touched my kids. They still talk about it when I go back. Because you see, we remember a certain percentage of things that we hear. A little bit more of the things that we hear and see. But we don't forget things that touch our heart. If you smell it, you feel it, you taste it, it touches your heart. It's there for good. And that's how the trip to the dump was. And the thought that people live there voluntarily because they love Jesus and knew that to tell them about Jesus, they would have to live among them, touch them. It is the gospel. Time at the dump. Every time I go back, they still talk about it. Our text tells us that Jesus entered the darkness of our world, but the darkness could not overcome the light. It was true in Jesus' day. It's still true today. Jesus is the light of the world who pushes back the darkness. And in Advent season, we remember the light came into the dark world, and his name was Jesus. There was a movie called Big Miracle, and it told a true story of three gray whales caught in a small pool of open water about the size of our sanctuary. You see, a sudden cold front had swept in from the Arctic, and just off Point Barrow, Alaska, the ice had formed faster than normal, and these three whales are caught in this pool of open water, and it's five miles away to the open ocean, which offered safety. And so the world watched as workers from Russia and Alaska worked together in an attempt to save the whales. Plan A, because a gray whale can swim five miles an hour and can hold his breath for 15 minutes, the easiest solution would be to cut four holes one mile apart and have the whales hold their breath and swim underwater for one mile, come up, get air, rest a little, and then repeat four times and they'd be saved. But you know the problem with plan A? No one knew how to speak whale. Imagine that. So they had to go with labor-intensive plan B, which was cut a series of holes every 25 yards for five miles. It took them eight days, and it cost them over seven million dollars. And in the end, only two of the three whales actually followed the pathway to be saved. When God sent his son, there was only plan A. No plan B was offered. No plan B was needed. In the fourth century, a man named Athanasius was reading chapter 1 of the book of John. And he first coined the word incarnation to describe God's entrance into this world. Literally, the word incarnation means being in the flesh. 
If the Bible is true, and I believe it is, then Jesus was not just a good teacher who told good stories and upheld good values. No, he was God himself who came in the flesh. The God who entered our world so that we might know of his love. Five years ago today, I was living in Claremont, Iowa, population 597. Ever lived in a town that little? When I got there, I went to the post office and they gave me P.O. Box 1. <laughs> 597. I lived in a warehouse out in the woods just outside of town. And I would ride my bike during my free time around the little town. And the people would wave at me. They were very friendly. And I'm sure they wondered, what is he doing here? Because there were no young people in the town. As I rode down the main street, which was one block long, there were about four buildings on each side of the street, all brick, most abandoned. But in the showcase of one of the buildings was a strange sight. Behind the glass was an old, rusty, riding lawnmower with a small trailer hooked behind. And then on the wall was a plaque which told the straight story. Hollywood turned it into a movie. The straight story tells of Alvin and Lyle Straight, because Straight was their last name. You see, Alvin and Lyle had a falling out. They didn't talk to each other for over 10 years. One day, Alvin gets word that his brother has had a stroke and his health is declining. Well, God used that message to touch Alvin's heart. And he decided he had to return to his brother and make things good, make things right before it's too late. The problem was Alvin didn't have a car. He and his brother were the only two surviving members of their family. And it was 500 miles to where Lyle lived in Mount Zion, Wisconsin. So age 73, Alvin gets this harebrained idea. Desperate People in desperate times do desperate things. So he got out his 4x6 trailer and he hooked it up to his 1966 riding lawnmower and he embarks on a 500 mile journey. Can you even imagine? After six weeks of driving on the shoulder of the road, six weeks of camping in the fields, six weeks of eating food out of cans, he turns his riding lawnmower into his brother Lyle's driveway. He pulls up and stops at the bottom of the steps. He gets out and he walks up the steps and knocks on the door. And the seconds seemed like hours as he listened to the walker clunking across the old wooden floor toward the door. He's wondering in his heart if his brother will forgive him or receive him or chase him away angrily. After all, he's paid a huge price to be there. When Lyle opens the door, his face is out of disbelief and shock. And for a couple seconds, they just stand there looking at each other with their mouths open. And then Lyle sees the riding lawnmower. And he breaks into a huge smile. And they embrace warmly. No words were spoken. No words were needed. The riding lawnmower 
told Lyle how much his brother Alvin loved him. And friends, so it is when those who follow the Savior see the manger. The manger tells us how much our God must love us to come as a baby, born out back with the animals, helpless, defenseless, dependent. And yet that was God's plan A. John tells us that he came to his own, but they received him not. The light entered the darkness. The darkness could not overcome it. Ever stop and wonder how so many people miss God's entrance into the world? Let me offer some possible reasons. First of all, they wanted military. God sent a peacemaker. They wanted white collar. God sent blue collar. They wanted freedom from Rome, and God sent freedom from sin. They wanted power. God sent meekness. They wanted strength, and Jesus turned the other cheek. As such, he was nothing they wanted, and yet everything they needed. Because that's how it was when God entered this world. He came to his own. They received him not. There are only two teams on planet Earth. Those who believe the baby born in a manger was God, and those who do not. It was true in Jesus' day. Friends, it's still true today. Two teams. And those who believe Jesus was God's son, it's life-changing. Changes our priorities, our schedules, our reason for being here, how we operate. It affects everything in our lives. If it's not true, and the New Testament tells us we are of all people most to be pitied. But I propose to you that it is true. Athanasius says, God entered our world. He became flesh. And it changes everything. It changes everything. When God came, he chose plan A, which was to enter a manger as an infant. The incarnation begins with the birth. It's completed with the cross. And those who understand the meaning of both are changed forever. John tells us, when Jesus came to our world, his own people received him not, but, that but is an important word because of the rest of the sentence. Jesus came to this world and though he made the world, his own people didn't recognize him. But, to all who receive him and believe on his name, he gives the right to become children of the living God. And it's life-changing. We kick off Advent by remembering Jesus was God in the flesh. An infant came into this world, and it is the hinge of history. Everything before the infant is B.C., everything after the infant is A.D. The most popular book, the most printed book, the most read book in the history of the world is the Bible. It's true. And it tells of a God 
who came in the form of Jesus, who was a good man, but he was also God. He told good stories. He held up good values. But what makes it different? What makes Jesus the hinge of history? It's the Incarnation. If the Incarnation is true, and I propose to you it is, then the fact that God entered our world changes everything. Jesus came to his own, they received him not. But to all who receive him, he gives the right to become children of God. And friends, that is the good news from God himself to all of us today. Will you pray with me? Father, the truth that you entered our world to show us the Father's love and the pathway back to the Father has changed the world and it changes us. As we approach this table, we are reminded of the price that was paid that we might be called your children. For Jesus not only had to enter the world, he had to go to the cross. And there he nailed our sins, past, present, and future, to the cross canceling them as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. Give us grateful hearts as we understand just a little more of how much you must love us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.